Hello and welcome to the Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today we've got an amazing guest as always. He is a technology ambassador and marketing executive with global experience in such areas as educational technology, wellness technology, including virtual reality-based therapies and dream therapy, educational video games, and advanced military applications. Welcome to the show, Dr. <laughs> Chris Harz. How you doing, man? <laughs> Glad to be here, uh, Dr. David. It's uh, an honor. This is absolutely going to be an amazing show. Uh, you go into so many great stories when we've talked before on uh, on kind of your uh, policy and experience with government agencies uh, when you started uh, back at the, the RAND Corporation. Uh, can you kind of just tell us how things got started here and uh, the path that it's led you down? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll give you the short version. I was uh, bored out of my mind at UCLA, which is not a school, it's a factory. Right. One of my classes had 1,200 uh, people in it. It's the reason I got into ed tech, because I saw how they were teaching individuals, many masses of individuals, and I just, I just got lots of incompletes and uh, wanted to get the hell out of there. <laughs> and I saw that Rand had a uh, job opening for programmers. So I taught myself programming in two weeks. <laughs> I got a job <laughs> at a top secret clearance at the Rand Corporation. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I got into wargaming and had another incredible breakthrough. My boss at Rand, uh, Jim Schlesinger, left Rand to become uh, the uh, uh, f first the Secretary of Defense and then Director of CIA. So I could go any place in those two places and go, hey, Jim sent me <laughs> and, uh, and get into whatever programs I wanted to. One of the most fun being uh, CIA's S&T Science and Technology Division, where they had all kinds of stuff on deception and disguises and so on. I then started working with DARPA, the Advanced the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the guys that created the internet and online video games and GPS and so on. They have a budget of $3 billion a year. I still work with them. So I got in on the early days of uh, video gaming and was a PM at the very first metaverse. It cost five today's dollars over $500 million and then went on to work with... Uh, uh, NATO and U.S. allies and so on around the globe, having fun. Wow. I found that virtual reality uh, and XR can get you in just about anywhere. Nobody's sure of what it is, so you can just go in. And <laughs> my, I'll give you my whole MBA course. Uh, it's only bullshit if they don't believe you. <laughs> 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 Speaking of that, what I'd like to touch on, if okay by you, is that I've worked on uh, for years is uh, kind of the opposite of what most uh, 
rah rah happy happy joy joy books are about right it's they talk about improvement brain improvement and health which is super important but they never uh, like tony robbins says uh, shoot for the moon and nobody ever mentions gravity that right. is the uh, <laughs> which you ought to be aware of there are certain traps and vulnerabilities in the human brain which i worked for with the military and whatnot that would be useful for people to know about as they go into uh, on the road and uh, higher learnings. Awesome. The, uh, what, what are some of these traps? Like how is the brain wired uh, to like not be able to function? With sure. Some of the things sure. So sort of an overview of uh, uh, deck ops deception operations that okay. takes advantage of these. So the first thing you can do is simply lie especially mm -hmm. lie by an authority figure or an authoritative document. So the, for instance, when uh, the president went to get the authority to declare war in Iraq, that day they presented a highly classified document to Congress. And because right. it was so highly classified, they said, oh, it must be true. In fact, it was made up whole cloth. Uh, uh, the vice president went down the hallways of CIA talking with friends of mine, trying to get them to make statements. They refused. So they just make it up. But because it was classified above TS that people went, oh, it must be real. So lying is a, uh, uh, a great thing, especially if you, uh, like I said, if you have a four-star general, as an example, the head of NSA, a four-star uh, told the American public, we do not listen in on phone conversations. And people believed it. At the same time, friends of mine working for NSA were telling me about their buddies listening in on their girlfriend's phones, phone conversations to see if they were cheating on them. Uh, they said that we are not looking directly at, uh, uh, at the emails a friend who owns an ISP told me that every month somebody came by to collect a stack of direct printouts of um, of emails. But right. uh, because it was a four-star general, it never really got discussed. They went, oh, it's, you know, must be telling the truth. Then a later, another four-star general went before uh, Congress. So that's a... Uh, 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 and it's a major problem with classified material. It's used not for national security, but for covering up uh, political uh, uh, problems. One of the highest classified things in the Pentagon Papers was the bombing of Cambodia. It, again, right. was TSSCI, Sensitive Compartmented Information. And uh, it was not to hide it from the enemy. Those guys on the ground kind of knew that B-52s were bombing them. Right. It was to hide it from the American public. So wow. skillful lying is a, uh, uh, a great way to deceive the brain. And if when you tell a lie, if you can attach emotion to it, that's the real trick. The, uh, most people think the brain, uh, the brain is like a computer. It stores data. It does not. It stores uh, multisensory perceptions with emotion. I love and, that. Uh, and if you if that emotion is strong enough, 
uh, you ain't going to convince them. You know, once you convince the person, they stay convinced. There's a fascinating uh, psychological phenomenon called the backfire effect. That is, if you if uh, somebody's convinced and you show them incontrovertible, clear evidence that they're incorrect. They not only won't change their minds, they'll believe it stronger than ever. Really? And they will get pissed at you. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's dangerous. They found out this from uh, a cult where the leader of the cult had told his people on such and such a day, and I think the year 2000, the world is going to end and we're all going up to heaven. And then the day came, and of course, nothing happened. And he said, because of our prayers, they shoved it off into the future. And uh, <laughs> the, the cult members, instead of going, ah, he was just BSing us, they believed it stronger than ever. Really? So that's, uh, that's a thing to be uh, aware of. You have to change the emotion. I'll give you two quick examples. A friend of mine was uh, really into, you can't. You know, I'm not going to do that was a standard response. He had daddy issues. So okay. uh, uh, he was going into one of these things one, one day. And I said, uh, Bob, I can make you do anything I want. And he went, what? And I went, yeah, I just have to tell. Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new higher level than ever before? Then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. I just have to tell you, you can't do it. Right, exactly. And he kind of rocked back at his chair and he said, oh my God, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> and uh, after that, he was... Uh, uh, much easier to uh, get along with. One more example, a good friend was just destroyed. His brother had schizophrenia, and when he when he visited him every week, he wouldn't listen. He, he treated him like he wasn't there. Right. And it was because he loved his brother. It was just destroying him. So uh, my partner, Sarah, actually came up with a great solution. She said, uh, uh, David, just pretend he's a cat. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he had two cats, two big cats, so he totally got it. Because uh, so the, thereafter, when he ignored him, or what, instead of taking it personally, he just pretended his brother was a cat, and it was it was all okay. It was all okay. He said that simple sentence changed his life. Right. And his relationship with his brother. And for the better, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, a second way to uh, uh, fool people is disguise. Okay. You disguise yourself. You disguise, uh, there's a whole, in CIA, there's a whole group of things, uh, manuals on how to disguise your face uh, with uh, appliques, with uh, makeup, with glasses, even a cigar stretched across your face will to fool uh, facial recognition. And uh, you never see that in movies. In movies, 007 or whoever is just running away from the bad guys, face uncovered. That right. doesn't happen in real life. 
people use disguises of their clothing, of their face. They're often not even aware of it. Uh, most women, for instance, probably don't realize that putting on lipstick and rouge started uh, to simulate um, uh, orgasm. Right. It's when you during an orgasm, you get extra blood flowing up to the face that makes turns your lips red and your, your uh, cheeks red. Were they putting it on in the morning? I doubt if they're thinking about that. But uh, <laughs> it's people, a lot of the stuff I'm mentioning, people aren't aware of. They're doing it, but they're not aware of it. Another well, one really is, on that point, as you mentioned yeah. before, is that. Our brain is a sensory organ. And the first thing that's going to hit it is all this sensory input. Mm -hmm. And that sets the default of our emotionality and then of our thoughts, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And we have certain filters, which we're also not aware of most of the time, to right. filter all that stuff. And we see just what we want to see. Uh, one more is uh, yeah. distraction. The uh, uh, if uh, I, I'll tell you a secret, I can win any argument I've found, even at Mensa meetings. <laughs> if I'm wearing my t shirt, even at Mensa meetings, by simply uh, using I've got like a dozen or so vocabulary words that nobody knows, okay. like autochthonous. <laughs> the Greek thon meaning earth. So it's same earth or native just means native or steatopageus, which means fat ass. So you toss, <laughs> I toss one of these words into the discussion. Yeah, but have you thought about the autochthonous ramifications? And if people were honest, they'd go, I don't know what that means. Right. But they don't. They don't admit it. And after that, they get the thousand yard stare and I've won the argument. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those uh, mental tricks for distraction. Uh, I co-authored that is, I contributed to FM thirteen three, the Army Field Manual on DECOPS deception operations. Okay, uh, wow. In fact, uh, General Schwarzkopf used it during the Gulf War, where he convinced the enemy that the Marine, the main thrust was the Marines coming up from the Gulf. In fact, it was the Army Armor Corps. Every single tank of which I had trained on my tank simulators, Tommy <laughs> Franks wouldn't let them deploy until they'd been on those around the clock. Um, that was, uh, but the enemy was paying attention down south as we snuck around and back behind right. the uh, behind the Republican guard, uh, guard, and that you can do in real life. It's done to us all the time with right. ads, with politicians, with friends. Every day we get distracted or, or deceived. Uh, uh, Schwarzkopf believed Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, that first used deception. Right. Part of which is uh, distraction. Now, the, now, you mentioned earlier that, uh, like you talked about Mensa, but before we got on this podcast, you also mentioned yeah, the Germans were probably the highest IQ country. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you find smarter people are easier to step then? Because the British were masters at deception during World War II. It, it's a part of policy 
the the British used it a lot. They were brilliant. They are so into spying, and and uh, Butcher Park was, of course, into decoding the enemy messages, which they right. did. And uh, so they're uh, experts. They and the Israelis are the best in the world. Uh, the U.S. has. Uh, uh, except for Schwarzkopf, we had a hard time convincing him that they ought to make NECOPs part of uh, battle plans, part oh, of operations, yeah. right at the beginning, not just as an afterthought. Now, is maybe one of those reasons there's just been such a huge military dominance that they felt they can just overcome it without the deception side? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So especially certain branches of the military <laughs> believe that uh, uh, they can uh, uh, do anything. The uh, if you're aware of that, uh, David, it's uh, it's useful. So, for instance, one special forces sergeant who went through the virtual reality medical center therapy down in San Diego, he had PTSD. Mm -hmm. Big time. And okay. he told me I was this close to uh, divorce and to eating my gun. This close. Wow. Uh, when I found out about this program and went through it, and I got my life back. But not only that, if I told my buddies I was going to go see a shrink, they'd have laughed me out of the room. Right. Instead, yeah. when I told them I'm going to go play a video game, <laughs> they said, cool. Yeah. So how does this kind of work to reprogram PTSD? How does the virtual reality become this amazing tool that that obviously could potentially help a lot of people suffering big time? The according to the Rand Corporation, over five hundred thousand veterans have clinical levels of PTSD. About half of those get uh on drugs or alcohol dependent right. substance dependency mm -hmm. and the old kinds of therapy, you know, lie on my couch and talk to me for an hour, uh, don't work, especially with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. What the main technique that uh, my friends down at VRMC, also at USC, and a, but on only a handful of places use is uh, exposure therapy. That is, it's retraining the brain. PTSD and this what used to be called shell shock and whatnot mm -hmm. went from being a work of the devil to being a disease to now it's a learning problem. Right. And in the brain, you oversimplified, you have the memory of it. And then that emotion next to it is I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And right. the problem is if you're lying on the couch, you do not want to remember you fighting it. And mm -hmm. uh, it, the, uh, that clump of cells spreads out more and more. So I have friends uh, who had an IED go off in Iraq who now, if, a car, if they hear a car backfire, they hit the ground. Right. That whole Because it's generalized possible. to any kind of loud sound like that. So what right. they do is they recreate the scene uh with sounds and visuals and doesn't have to be perfect the brain can fill in a bunch but they recreate the scene and uh with a therapist watching mm -hmm. and they do it over and over and over and over again and the brain goes oh, i'm gonna die oh i'm not dying i'm not dying 
Right. And after about a, a you know eight or ten sessions of this, it disappears. It pretty much goes away. They check a few months later just to make sure, uh, but essentially it goes away. It's a very high cure rate, and as as evidenced by that um, master sergeant, mm-hmm. uh, it has a really high retention rate. Because it it looks like a video game. It's fun. Right. So how much of this could also be transferred into peak performance for the average person, say, getting over their fears of public speaking or for kids who are getting bullied? Um, what are some of the other applications that could be used uh, basically today? There. Glad you asked. <laughs> there are many. I'm working on one right now. Let me tell you a couple of before I mention that, uh, so uh, in uh, for athletes, uh, they visualize the things they have to practice. They tested, and for uh, like shooting baskets, they they found that uh, uh, they they see it on the headset, and then they go on the court, and they are better at shooting baskets. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, for uh, football. The NFL is starting to use virtual reality so they can see different points of view on the fo- on the field. They recreate a play and then they can see it from the other side and from different positions. Okay. And that gives them so-called situational awareness. Right. Where they, they see a, a whole context for... Um, uh, CIA and DHS, we did that for sitting around the table and doing what's called body hopping, that is going into other people's heads and sort of seeing it from their point of view, Really, which is okay. hard for most people to do yeah. and that before you re- recruit people and uh, so on. One of the things I'm working on now is for firefighters. Um, in the last few years, over 400 American firefighters have committed suicide. They are really over 400, 427. Wow. Uh, they are really stressed. They're sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. And one of the deadliest things for many of this is sleep deprivation. Right. And the, it gets, it builds, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. So the, uh, uh, I've used hypnosis. I've, used to work as a hypnotherapist right, uh, yeah. to get people into not just sleep, not just closing eyes, but into useful sleep. That is REM, rapid eye movement, and deep right. sleep, which are the useful parts. The light sleep is almost useless. <laughs> and uh, in those days, I managed because I was traveling so much, going around the world, uh, I needed to get into deep sleep and dreams in minutes instead of hours. And I did. Right. They wow. tested recently tested some special forces guys who typically get blocks of four hours to sleep. And they found that they didn't get into, like most Americans, they didn't get into useful sleep for about three hours. So by the time they did, it was almost time to wake up again. Right. And they Test and within three at most four days, they tested them on shooting, on decision making, and found they had the same level of decision making as somebody with a 0.1 um, blood alcohol level. That is, they were legally drunk 
it was affecting him that much. Yeah. So uh, what I'm uh, doing is uh, working a a uh, uh, one of these therapy things, virtual reality therapy things for firefighters. I'm going to test a bunch of them and see if it works. It's an existing product called Helium, um, and uh, going to uh, test it on them. The the limitation of what's going on now is it's one-to-one therapy. We need to be able to get out to larger audiences of hundreds or thousands of people so that they right. can use it in their hospitals and their fire stations and whatnot. So I hope to, uh, to combine existing VR courses, scenarios of waterfalls and birds singing and whatnot with some uh, suggest hypnotic suggestions that both gets them into the uh, deep sleep, including lucid dreaming, uh, where you know you're in the dream and then you can go, hey, I want to uh, take care of this and that. A quick example of that, Paul McCartney had a problem. His uh, mom, whose name was Mary, had died. And in the, the last year or so, he had always never seen her because he was so busy traveling. So he had this guilt on his shoulders. He right. uh, uh, just, ah. Uh. So before he went to sleep, he decided, I want to see what I can do about this. And in the middle of the night, his mom appeared to him and said, I'm so sorry. He said, it's okay, son. I know you love me. I loved you. It's all right. It's okay. Just keep going. Just let it be. Let it be. <laughs> let wow. it be. And the song appeared to him uh, uh, right then. Um, at the hour of midnight, Mother Mary came to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, let it be. Let it be. And it was not only therapy, it became one of his uh, uh, most popular songs. And there's a book called The Dreams Behind the Music. Uh, the trick is when you wake up, you have to copy it down, write it down in the next five minutes, else it right. disappears. So I've done a bunch of songs. I'll send you a few uh, that I uh, dream. Yeah. Now, now a lot of this, of course, uh, it it's not necessarily new. Uh, people have been using like binarial beats. Um, there's always been those subliminal messages uh, that mm -hmm. people say are in advertising or in movies. Um, the program you're working on would take this to a whole different level and also be kind of programmable to an individual person. Though, right. Correct? Or... Right. And hopefully uh, would save lives on uh, tricking the brain. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, take right. advantage of uh, another uh, friend uh, in Santa Monica has a company that uh, develops and I'm working helping him musical video games for autistic children right. and it's kind of like that movie the uh, king's speech where they don't where audio doesn't alone doesn't hit them it just goes in one ear out the other they're looking like they're not paying attention but if it's combined with visuals and music in a mm -hmm. and gamified they it's like they wake up it's it's so great to see him, David. They it's like they wake up and they not only sing the song and learn the vocabulary, the bear, the bear, the and so on, yeah. but they become more social. 
they right. suddenly pay, start paying attention to things. And just like in the King's speech, where they had tried every expert in the world to try to fix King George VI stuttering and nothing worked, uh, music, which takes a different pathway in the brain, exactly. uh, works. So right. just like UCLA and me for learning, uh, where I just wasn't learning but that individual the guy talking at you from in the front. Once I got to a different university where they assigned groups, everything was done in groups. Right. I had a straight 4.0 average. I loved it. I love group <laughs> learning because exactly. we're monkeys. You know, we learn, <laughs> we, we learn like monkeys do in <laughs> groups. And uh, that's a uh, much more uh, effective way I found out. It was like night and day. And unfortunately, most people don't realize that a school before they sign up, right. that that school is just teaching one at a time, like like training a football team one yes. person at a time <laughs> instead of uh, team training or collaborative right. training. Now, I, I love these points. Um, like you mentioned autism and uh, like one of the big things in functional neurology is to figure out what part of the brain is either overactive or underactive so that we can match it up with a stimulation exercise modality to get people better. And of course you mentioned the, the VR, the sound, all of this to change the state of the brain. And uh, like in autism, usually it's kind of that right brain dysfunction and uh, that right brain is very important for those rhythmic sounds and that develop speech and that processing. Um, how though is the technology that you've been exposed to also identifying the parts of the brain so that we could be better with, uh, uh, exercises, stimulation modalities that some of that you've mentioned, the VR, um, to really kind of pinpoint what's going on in an individual person's brain. Yeah. Of the three basic functions of the brain, um, uh, cognitive, cognitive, and uh, uh, and emotional. The uh, uh, emotional has almost not been studied at all. Cognitive was easier, so that's where all the attention was going. Now that we have fMRI scans and CAT scans, we can look into the brain uh, from from the uh, outside and find and identify those spots. They light up. As, right. uh, as you're talking about. And also for, uh, uh, for people either try to cure them or uh, help them. So one of the things Rand is doing right now is uh, looking at neurodiversity. Right. New term being used a lot for yes. uh, the intelligence services. So a problem with the geniuses that work there is they get bored really easily and <laughs> stuff comes in and they just blah, 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 blah. whereas autistic personnel are, are great at doing the same chore over and over and over and over again without getting bored without right. any loss of enthusiasm so they're much better it turns out for reading, uh, say, satellite photos and and a bunch of other intel, than uh, the than the other uh, uh, geniuses are. Right. So there are, 
you know, the, the there are skills there that can be um, uh, developed. I think that's amazing. And uh, yeah, of course, people really love FF, uh, sorry, FMRI, um, kind of as a research tool, but they're big, expensive pieces of equipment. Um, and the other thing is, uh, it's not dynamic. So you can't kind of go through a motor skill or process uh, with a big fMRI attached to yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. So I do like some of the other wearable technologies coming out as well that, that really help us hone all these things. Um, uh, how do you see this transferring, though, into education where, once again, students actually are learning and engaging with material better and it's not this factory education system anymore <laughs> well the uh uh you can uh, uh with with zoom and vr you can get groups together uh a colonel army medical command colonel i know does uh, uh he he has uh, uh essentially rehabilitation by one of by a technique Freud used of uh, group therapy. Right. And so he gets a group together and it takes a while for these guys to trust each other and speak each other's language. Problem is after a month, the uh, therapy ends and they go all over the place. So he's calling them back together around the table uh, with uh, the collaboration with either Zoom or one of the other techniques. And they're they're bad. They do it every week, and so for long-term therapy, uh, that's uh, uh, incredibly effective. Group learning is is a biggie, and I wish people looked for that capability more in uh, in schools. Right. By the way, one of the yeah. the other tricks. Uh, besides deception, is personal involvement. That is uh, when people, uh, for a politician or whatnot, the, uh, a great way to get that emotional thing is to go traveling everywhere and talk to people personally and go, I will fight for you. I care about you. Uh, uh, Hitler pioneered that. He was the first uh, politician to jump all over the place in an airplane in airplanes right so he were so people listen to him go oh he's gonna fight for me he's got he's the guarantor of peace like he's <laughs> saying oh okay all right yeah i have a personal relationship with him right it was very effective the the uh, especially when you're when everybody around you is yelling yay whatnot the group around you that group Involvement, by the way, it, one of my favorite books is Propaganda by uh, Ed Bernays. Okay. And it's fascinating that it takes advantage of that uh, uh, group therapy of his uncle, Freud, uh, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> he used that technique uh, to create modern American marketing. So really? just as Freud yeah. discovered that people would reveal a lot more in a group talking with each other than they would one-on-one, -on -one, so he did, uh, so he turned that into focus groups and had uh, got people to talk about products and their feedback 
One example of that is uh, when he was working for Betty Crocker. They had come out with this great product of cake mix, and the ad was uh, just add water. And they figured it would fly off the shelves. They couldn't give it away. <laughs> and they couldn't figure out why. Nobody would tell him. Right. So he, uh, Ed did a, um, uh, a group and found out that when women got complimented on how great their cakes tasted, they felt guilty because they didn't feel like they had authorship of it. They just uh-huh. added water. Right. So he discovered that if they added a couple of eggs to it, then that gave them some authorship. And so they changed the uh, product to just add eggs. And uh, then it, it was became one of the best-selling products of all time. Right. But they would never have found out about it if it hadn't been for Ed and his uh, focus groups, which are still being used today. Right. Now, on all of this information and from the past up till today, whether it's propaganda, disinformation, um, all of this seems to be like very upfront in our face in the media. And there's a lot of turmoil. So what are kind of your predictions with the things that you've mentioned and kind of modern day times right now? And then we'll get into the future later. But what's kind of uh, what's kind of top of mind for yourself with kind of the disruption going on today? Um, I think today is going to continue as is. Uh, One of the methods, one of the best ways to trick the brain that I see over and over is conflation. That is uh, lumping things together. So instead of saying, uh, gee, the, uh, uh, the, the Russian government or the Russian premier, uh, it's the Russians or the Americans or the Jews or whatnot. And mm-hmm. instead of saying to soldiers, uh, you're going to fight for uh, your lieutenant and your general and the president, you're fighting for your country right. or your flag or the Marine Corps, those are those become set like you'll always be a Marine if you take that into anybody else's uh, backyard. It, it, you see how incredible that is. It's a core belief. And how can you argue against, I'm fighting for my country? Right. So that is, uh, 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 as long as there's that going on, on the nightly news, that uh, it's not a group of 10 people, but a country or uh, or a flag, uh, people will continue to be deceived. So uh, you and I should probably write a couple of more books on this too. (laughs) Because it's once people get it, uh, they they really see it, that uh, uh, the emotion changes. One more example, I had a friend who was an MD who worked in a military hospital, and she she was just destroyed. She was just, oh. I said, what is wrong? It said uh, she was in the, uh, uh, the, the final wing. That is the, with people who had weeks or only a month left to live. And she came up with some great techniques for advanced visualization. 
Pac-Man eating cancer cells and, and so on that were effective, not obviously not on everybody, but they saved people that had zero chance of living. Right. Problem was, she said she she offered this and was so excited about curing a whole bunch of people. And they came up with BS excuses why they didn't want to do it. Like, I don't have time for that. Right. And she knew they were lying and it just destroyed her. It just destroyed her. So I looked at her and I said, uh, listen, Nancy, you've got to get it. Your job is not to fix them. Your job is to give them a choice. And the very next patient she did that to she said, you know, I have this thing, but you don't have to do it. Either way is okay with me. What would you like to do? And the guy, elderly guy, smiled and said, no one has ever said that to me before. Right. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. I've done everything I wanted to in life. I've got nothing to look forward to. Uh, I'd like to see what's next. And he said, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. And that weekend, he called his whole family together, went through paperwork, completed, talked with each of them, completed with each of them. And that Sunday night, he laid down and went to sleep and died, even though he should have lived another two or three weeks. But he was clear on what he wanted to do, and he did so with power. Right. And she... She that Monday, uh, it was like a, a weight had been taken off her back. Absolutely, offering people choice again, same circumstances, but the mental process, the context was totally different. Wow, that is powerful. Wow, now with choice, obviously, sometimes uh, our choices are diminished. Um, whether it's by technology, whether it's by, of course, society. Um, but with this, of course, AI has come up in conversation quite a bit, um, reducing choices or reducing human output or increasing human output. Um, it's not a new concept, though. Um, I was looking through the RAND website, and it had the first AI being back in the 60s or 70s. Um, mm-hmm. So all these technologies, obviously, they the concepts are developed and then it's obviously made better and better. Um, and you've been in the tech side of this for, for quite some time and well experienced and versed in this. What kind of previous technologies or concepts have you seen that are probably going to be unveiled or the themes of things um, that you would kind of predict for the future then? Uh, yeah, for AI, I did or I've, I've managed uh, teams of programmers in that 40 years ago. Uh, for the Air Force, we did uh, uh, Pilots Associate, where a pilot going into a fight had kind of like a, a four-dimensional view of what was going on, what these planes were, what they were capable of, what they were likely to do and a situation null, not situation uh, awareness. And we did uh, similar things, uh, uh, interpreting photos for 
the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and so on. So this is right now is more of same. The mm -hmm. uh, one big difference is that this uh, content AI has the opportunity to scan the worldwide databases, right. which the old AI did not. They could only do Intel databases. Now this is a much bigger thing. The challenge then as now is that it uh, uh, it's heavily influenced by the programmers, even if it's self-learning and is often out of date. So as an example, uh, if you uh, if you're job seeking these days, as a lot of people are tech people, right. they're laying them off left and right, and they uh, send in a resume. No one ever reads resumes anymore. It's been uh, they've been looked at by AI software for the last ten years. It's usually about two or three years out of date. So if you right. say you have the you're expert at the latest version of software X Y Z. It won't recognize that it's still on what that was three years ago. And unless you have a year's worth of experience with what it thinks is valuable, it throws you out. Okay. So there's no uh, uh, kind of like uh, quantum computers are brilliant, but need a separate kind of process to error check. Right. And they haven't got that uh, uh, down yet for if you're doing uh, kind of the outlines of a story or a song and you need to fill in or you need uh, uh, it's not so good for um, uh, for uh, uh, non-factual but for for researchy kinds of things it's great because you can just go and the five researchers who looked at this and it'll fill it in for you that's that's handy but it's not going to replace a lot of people what a rand and darpa did a study that what's needed now is upskilling people workers need to learn ai and fast in order right. to be able to uh, use it and a lot of CEOs are laying off people going, oh, uh, we probably don't need them anymore. And if I lay off this many people, I'll get another $5 million in bonus money. Right. That is happening a lot uh, with studio heads as an example. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then this comes back to your, your ed tech technologies as well is how can we actually improve people skills in, in a time where uh, that up leveling is really needed correct yeah the uh, uh, for teaching with uh, you can if you can teach as groups and take advantage of some of those brain things that is instead of the uh, just auditory uh, use um, uh, I never understood calculus from just things on the board. At UCLA, right. the, the way they taught freshman physics was the guy had a, a, a whiteboard with equations on it and a recording. He'd turn on the recording of him and point to the equations on the whiteboard 
and halfway through, he'd stop the recording, flip the thing over for the equations on the back of the board, right. and then continue <laughs> while pointing at it. I didn't get it. Whereas when I saw that in uh, 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 in a um, game in game-based learning in a video game, I went, "Oh, I, I got it right away." I said, "Oh, is that right. what it is?" Wow. So there, the uh, game-based learning has been proven incredibly successful, especially for STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, math. The uh, weak point, and I've briefed this to the Assistant Secretary of Education at the Department of Education, the Assistant Secretary of Training at the Pentagon, and others. The problem is that there aren't courses like masters or whatnot to teach teachers you know, T3, train the trainers, teach right. teachers how to use game-based learning in the classroom, how to use leveling and how to put it in 45-minute chunks and that kind of thing. And without that, there's research out of the UK, the teachers are actually afraid to use it. I so here there's incredible potential, um, mm -hmm. but the uh, schools aren't teaching it yet. If we can influence that, we will make a huge, huge difference because we'll be we'll be taking advantage of the with games and uh, uh and immersive technology we'll be taking advantage of those people uh, some friends of mine at the association of american scientists did a game for high school training subatomic particles i mean <laughs> really right. hardcore stuff, right? They compared <laughs> book learning versus a video game that they created. Um, the video game took half the time, and then they did a post-test a year later. The book learners remembered 10% of what was presented. The video game learners uh, kept over 80. Wow. In fact, they, they could... They could recreate visually. Oh, yeah. Uh, here I was playing with the neutrinos. They were blue, and I was, you know, <laughs> bouncing them around and, and whatnot. They had an emotional attachment to the right. learning. So that's possible. If we can kick that off, it would be amazing. Uh, and learning AI, learning AI that way as well with uh, groups, small groups uh, that support uh, support each other one of the funniest things a friend who, who's into this had uh, was teaching a class and the laptops arrived but there was only half of them half is half the ones needed so he had groups of two students on each laptop they were helping each other out and whatnot and uh, things are going fine a month later the rest of the laptops arrived so everybody got their own learning plummeted by half right yeah <laughs> so there is a need for the combination of in-person group and online virtual reality the integration with the, the knowledge and then the sharing is that kind of the the process then yeah i think yeah. Uh, one of the big things that's going to happen uh, for vr which i love uh, but and it has its limits is that there will be a combination, a melding of uh, VR and AR into and real life into MR, mixed reality. 
So the 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 newer sets, uh, even Oculus, for instance, you can uh, uh, they have cameras, so you can look into real life, and then uh, project stuff over things. Like BMW has an AR course on how to do motor checks, where you look at the motor with your headset, and you see. Uh, the thing here, you need a screwdriver. This thing needs to be checked, but it's got the computer overlays onto the real world. Right. And that actually has more commercial potential than uh, a lot of uh, uh, VR does. So headsets that could do both of those, I think, is what's going to emerge. And uh, they, uh, the other thing they need is 5G. I'm, I support right. the uh, past the technology uh, a group uh, that uh, for the uh, uh, chairman of the FCC, and they're talking a lot about uh, amending 5G and uh, AI to uh, help this process. And for 5G, you need very high data rates. Right. Now so that, that'll help this along. To, to pick your mind on somebody who's being immersed in the technology. Um, and obviously, uh, there's been some questions on the safety of 5G, um, kind of that overstimulation um, with things. Uh, do you think that's a possibility if we go too far in this direction then? Of uh, overstimulation? Yeah, the, the kind of the frequency stimulation of cells being a lot higher and uh, that, that potentially could have uh, uh, harmful effects on, on uh, biological systems. Um, I haven't, uh, they're looking at that a lot. I haven't yet seen a, uh, a peer-reviewed study that mm -hmm. showed it. Uh, we do need to be aware of it. Uh, it's... Um, uh, and people, in addition to the to the frequencies, the fact that they're just on it all day long, that's right. what I hope they're using a VR before they go to sleep to get them into restful sleep uh, each night, that that'll help with this uh, overstimulation all day long. Right now, what people do is they use uh, drugs. Uh, cannabis uh, right. or alcohol to yeah. knock themselves into sleep. Problem right. is that doesn't get you into useful sleep. No. In fact, it delays useful sleep by another two or three hours. Wow! So by the time they wake up, they've had almost no rest, and then, yeah. then they just yeah. I always say the the pot of coffee in the morning and then the bottle of wine to fall asleep. There you go. So I'm, I'm hoping fun. that uh, with some technology and involvement of people like mm -hmm. you, that we can uh, do that. And, and sleep and dreaming are fascinating. You dream two hours every night. Uh, you can, like Paul McCartney, you can use that for uh, songs and, and insights and briefings right. and uh, facing your monsters. One of the reasons I got into that David, was uh, I saw some research from a Canadian university, McGill, which I love. I grew up close down the street on Sherbrooke Street, 
of okay. McGill University, but they found that uh, video game players had about 10 times the lucid dreams that normal people do. Really? And that, yeah. And uh, uh, the reason appeared to be that when they, uh, twofold, one, when they saw monsters, they weren't scared of them. They went, oh, that's like the dragon I played with in, you know, <laughs> World of Warcraft uh, last week. And second, they were better at directing which way their avatar, if you will, their character was going to go. Instead of just, just being tossed willy-nilly, they go, oh, I want to go to a, a beach or I want to go scuba diving. Right. So they were better at being directors of video games that led to being a director in a dream fascinating wow <laughs> <laughs> so i've written 12 songs already uh, for um a, a, a movie i hope to uh, finish up uh, all of them dreamed i have no musical background whatsoever wow and i also saw you have a children's book Correct. <laughs> a, a, a friend of mine is uh, writing a children's as writing children's books. Yep, and uh, uh, the I hope to marry that up with the uh, autistic uh, uh, technology, so that uh, the uh, children's book will also teach vocabulary. Wow! Using that, using those techniques, they're. Right. Uh, with the um, uh, the parent reading the book, and then at certain places it turns into a song, and as the parent claps his or her hands, and the kid sings along, they learn those vocabulary bits, uh, both for young children, autistic children, and ESL children learning a second language, that that would help using visualization and music to uh, train the brain, those other pathways. Wow. This is fascinating stuff. And uh, yeah, my my geeky functional neurology brain is just going haywire with all of this. Of <laughs> um, so you've taken us on quite the journey of technology from deception to a lot of very positive, positive things that can happen. Uh, so I, I get the sense you're very optimistic about how things are going to unfold and how uh, all this technology can kind of be be used for positives. Um, let's go, though, kind of gamify it a little bit. Uh, what would be your apocalyptic uh, type scenario and what would be your uh, utopia type scenario here? And, uh, and we'll, we'll finish with that. <laughs> It's funny, David, how most movies uh, uh, for for far future turn out to be horrible with the robots taking over or, right. or something or other. So the uh, the possibility is that uh, kids all over the world uh, first that we get sustainable food. I'm almost finished with a book on sustainability with some ideas on how that can be helped. Uh, that they uh, get enough food and that they have connectivity to uh, teaching of the kind we're talking about. That right. They are, I mean, they're all playing games anyway, everywhere. So that they uh, 
manage to see the issues of the day from different points of view. Uh, Mark Twain said the greatest enemy of prejudice and racism is travel. Travel, yes. So that they are able to virtual travel uh, around and see um, the United Nations is doing a few games like that, but they see it from the point of view of a person living in Africa, in in China, in uh, Canada, and that they uh, get that to so that they can identify the tricks and the lies, right, and and become more educated and see the with the brain scans and brain technology. They see the, the weaknesses, the traps, and can avoid them and uh, get a lot better. The apocalyptic <laughs> thing <laughs> is that uh, we have a total dominance of the news media by a few bad guys who take advantage of, uh, uh, like, like that book, Propaganda, Goebbels, right. by the way was an avid reader of that book. Wow. Uh, ironic, since both Ed and his uncle were uh, Jewish, but that they take advantage of dominating the uh, knowledge field and then some threat comes along like a, um, uh, a super virus. And that, that comes out of one of the labs, uh, which is easy to do. And that it just zips around the world and wipes people out, and the leaders deny that anything is wrong, right? Which leaders tend to do. So that would be the horror show version. I really hope for the former, <laughs> for the uh, former uh, version, which I believe is possible. And you need to show people that there is uh, money in it, right? You know, like, was show me the money, and there is. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think those are two very, very possible, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you on the the utopia one. I, I I think it is doable, and there's a lot of people leading that charge. Uh, you being one of them. Uh, how do people find more information about yourself and some of these up and coming technologies? Then uh, you can uh, uh, shoot me in. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. So uh, that's an easy way, and I should have had my LinkedIn address, uh, but I'll I'll post. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys. Yeah. I'll put uh, my email as well. So it's Chris right. at Doctor Chris Hearts dot com, and that uh. There I am. Perfect. And or get a hold of you. <laughs> <laughs> David, this has been uh, charming. It is so it is such a treat to um, uh, talk with intelligent people who are passionate. That's something I don't see enough of is people being I don't even care what they're passionate about. Right. <laughs> as long as they're passionate about something. And uh, you definitely are. So good on you. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And uh, 
Thank you very much for, for sharing your knowledge, your stories, and uh, we're going to have to do this again. This is just too short Would of a time. It. So Would love it. All right. All right. Perfect. All right. Cheers. For everyone tuning in, stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. <laughs>